everyone, and welcome into the latest episode of NABC Academy. Thanks again for joining us today. Before I introduce today's guests, I want to remind all of our viewers that each of these NABC Academy episodes are archived for free, easy to access at nabc.com and the NABC's YouTube channel. YouTube channel. They're also now available in podcast form. You can simply search NABC in the iTunes store or on the podcast app. And with that, I'm pleased to welcome today's guest. He's the head coach of the 2017 NCAA Division III National Champion Babson Beavers and the 2016-17 NABC Division III Coach of the Year, Coach Stephen Brennan. Coach Brennan, thanks for joining us today. Oh, thanks for having me. This is great. Uh, we do appreciate you taking your time. Um, uh, coach, we'll, uh, we'll jump right in. Um, just uh, We'll start by going over just some of your personal background. So you've spent 22 years at Babson, but uh, if you could just take us through what your career path early on looked like, uh, what were some of the early jobs you have, and how you ended up landing the head coaching job there at Babson. Sure. Um, you know, I, I went to Bates College, played there for four years, uh, had thought about coaching when I was there, just uh, probably inspired by my former coach, George Wigton. And when I first got out, uh, I tried business for a year, but I was going to games every single night. So I kept sending names up to the, that coach back then was Rick Boyages up at Bates. Uh, he moved on with Jimmy O'Brien at BC and then later at Ohio State. And um, so I worked for him for one year and then came down back home. I'm from Belmont, Mass. And I ended up uh, working with Serge DeBarry for six years as uh, the assistant coach here at Babson. Uh, during that time, I got my master's at Tufts. And when Serge went to Assumption, um, you know, it was, I think it was just me versus the janitor. And uh, I won and I got the job. So they kept me. <laughs> well, that's great. So, um, so looking back in those early stages of your career, as you were getting started and kind of built your career there at Babson, uh, what were some of the, the personal qualities and the professional qualities that you think were uh, really important and vital to your ability to advance in the profession? Yeah, I think that both Rick and Serge had a uh, great impact on me as a person. You know, I think Rick was very much a relentless guy and he was very focused on, you know, you never take never until it's over as far as recruiting went for division three. And I think he inst instilled in me a, a great work ethic. Whereas I think Serge was very much uh, a mentor as far as thinking about the game, uh, thinking about personnel and, you know, it's more, it's not what you do, but how you do it. And I think that in the time with Surge, you know, we had a fair amount of success. I get to do all the recruiting, a lot of the scouting. And so I think with him, he just kind of brought me along. And whenever I asked a question, he gave me a question in return. So I, I did a lot of kind of soul searching and thinking. And then I would meet with other coaches like Dick Whitmore up at Colby. And, you know, um, so I think, you know, definitely influenced by a number of people. And even this week, I'm going up to see Dick Whitmore uh, up at Colby. Uh, up in Maine. He's retired now, but he's still very tight with the game. And, um, you know, Brad Stevens has become a, a good friend and mentor as well. And I'm going to be doing a round table with him next week as well. So I think that it's kind of, you know, for me, it's always been, you need to continue to develop your craft and, and the game keeps changing and people keep changing. And, you know, if you're not learning, then you're not going to be ready. So I think it's a continuous learning situation for me. You mentioned several coaches there that were uh, really beneficial to your career advancement, guys that you've trusted, you know, for advice. How important uh, throughout your whole career have those mentors been, and why do you think it's so important for coaches at any level to have mentors and, and trusted advisors in the profession? 
I think that when you start, you you just work and work and work, and sometimes you don't have the purpose and you know the the step back and, and perspective that you need to to be successful. Because ultimately, it's how do we interact and build relationships and, and make you know students better, you know, as people off the court and as players on the court. And I think Serge always kept it, you know, very much. You know, it's about building your relationships and. So I think that he's been there, you know, through good times and bad, and he's always been able to speak directly and frankly with me so that when I'm in a situation that, you know, I might be struggling in, or maybe he just comes by and watches a game, you know, he, he's always given me feedback. And I think that you always look for critical feedback because, you know, as much as you're the toughest on yourself, you know, sometimes you just need that perspective from someone who's already done it. I think with Dick Whitmore, um, you know, he won so many games up at Colby and was a legend uh, back in the day. And I think he gave me a completely different perspective. Um, and in terms of that, um, that opportunity was was imperative for me, you know, to be successful because he made me challenge me to think about the game in different ways. So I think that, you know, building relationships on one end and then staying current and, and thinking about things from different perspectives can really make a difference, you know, as far as how it goes. And, you know, every summer I, I try and study a different facet of the game or, uh, you know, learn something different from a player standpoint. How do you how do you make a difference in their lives? You know, how do different people do it? So, you know, obviously, you know, different coaches have written plenty of self-help books on that stuff, like Patino or Calipari, et cetera. <laughs> staying along these same lines as uh, mentoring and relationships. Now that you've established yourself in your career, how are you uh, trying to serve as a mentor to uh, whether it be your assistants or, or, you know, any coaches that you come across with, how are you trying to serve that next generation like coaches in your past have served you? Yeah, I, I take that very seriously. I think that, you know, my secondary vocation is to not only, you know, make a difference in our current players' lives and get help them get jobs through our alums and our alumni network. The other piece is to, to give back to the profession and, you know, have other people know that, you know, it's fine to talk about basketball and how you're doing. So I, I have a number of coaches in the area here that I'll catch up and grab lunch with in and out of season. And, you know, and, and we all talk about the same stuff. And then with our own department, you know, I've known a number of coaches here for years so I think you try and give back that way and then I think that you're always trying to mentor um, you know your current assistants and you know they challenge you and you challenge them so I think that you know we've had a number of full-time assistants you know going all the way back to Chris Bartley who's the head coach and very successful over at WPI to uh, Drew Cooper who's at St. Thomas More down in Kentucky um, you know and then we have another guy who's now an athletic director uh, at a local high school. So, you know, I, I still stay in touch with a number of those guys. And, you know, you're, you're just trying to give them an idea that there's no perfect recipe to becoming a head coach, but you got to work, you got to get to know people. And then, you know, we always say RDLP, recruit daily or perish, you know, because that's really what it comes down to. You can be a great X and O guy, but you need to have players to be successful. That's great. So shifting gears a little bit, uh, you guys obviously had a season for the ages this last year, culminating in a national championship. Um, just first off, talking about that experience, uh, what was it like? What was it like for you personally, for your staff, and to just see the kids uh, achieve really probably their highest goals as basketball players? You know, it's funny because, you know, we talked about mentors previously and, you know, Serge DeBerry always said, hey, why not us? Why not us win a national title even 22 years ago? And you know, the 
three years ago, we went to the final four for the first time as a program. And, you know, I think we learned a lot, you know, we, we certainly were, you know, on the job training in that situation. And I think that really helped us prepare and helped me prepare a lot as far as going back a second time, you know, the, the venue didn't look quite as big the second time, you know, you, you treated it more like a business trip. A lot of our guys had been there three years ago. So I think that for them, you know, especially the six seniors, you know, this was a culminating season where we were going to do everything in our power to, you know, get back to the final four, but, but not just get there, but, but go there to win, you know? And I think that your mindset and how you approach not only player development, but your development throughout the season as a team and as a unit and as a program really changes when you feel like you have that ability to go do something special. And, you know, uh, I just hoped every day that they would have um, an opportunity to, you know, go back to the final four, which, you know, it's so hard to do. You got to win four games to get there and there's no perfect answer as far as that goes, you know? And so I think that the experiences from three years ago, uh, prior to that really made a difference and helped us, you know, map out how we were going to do it. Because I think that there's, like everything else, it's there's a lot of ways to do it, but you got to do it according to your personnel and according to how they look at the game and, and, and what their, you know, what their commitment level is and, and how they stay motivated because it's a long season from October to March. You hear a lot about the pressure that the players feel in playing in a game like that. What about the pressure that the coaches feel? And, and you as obviously leading a staff of assistants and, and managers, how did you manage your staff in dealing with the pressure of not just playing through the whole tournament, but then especially once you reach the Final Four and the championship game? I think that, you know, like say, like you know, saying heavy lies the crown, you know, and I think that we've been getting – everybody's best game for three years from the time we were making our first run to the final four to the sweet 16 run the next year to last year's championship. So a lot of it came down to, you know, like understanding what we needed to do to be successful and focusing on our strengths and our abilities, as opposed to, you know, like we certainly do plenty of scouting on the other teams, but you know, the things that we do well, we do really well. And, and the number one thing is that, you know, our group was very much unflappable because we were getting everybody's best shots. So like there was games where guys would make teams would make eight or 10 threes in the first half. And you had to just kind of keep believing in what you do and not get too high or too low. And knowing that over the course of 40 minutes, that if we play to our level, we're going to find a way to win. So I think that we really got focused on just ourselves a lot. And in our approach was how do we get ready in our, our best selves going into every single game? Cause every night you're getting the best of the other team. After achieving uh, success like that, really the highest level of success a coach can achieve. Uh, personally, how do you keep that from, frankly, going to your head? How, how do you stay humble and how do you stay uh, hungry for goals and goals in the future? Yeah, I think that for me, um, I'm fortunate. I have uh, I was a little late to the dance on family, so I'm 52, but I have five year old twins who are, you know, keeping me in place every single day. And we got two dogs. I'm walking at 5.15 in the morning every day. So when you're picking up their poop, you know where you stand. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that, you know, I think that keeps me where I need to be. And, and I think that also just that, you know, each season is unto itself. And, yeah, you want to go back and do the great things. But you, you got to go back and do the simple things first and kind of find a vision for this team and what, what they're going to need to do to play to their best and, and, and really make a difference. So I think that, you know, 
for me, like, yeah, this was incredibly fulfilling. It was definitely a bucket list item. You know, you always dream of coaching in the final four and, you know, to be able to win it, you know, I mean, it's such rarefied air when you think about there's only three teams in the Northeast that ever won it and 24 total, you know, in division three because of the multiple winners, you know, and I think that, you know, you, you, you take a breath and you go, wow, that's just crazy. But then, you get back to what you do. I mean, we had three weeks of day camp and we're out at all the Ivy camps trying to find the right people. And so I think that as long as you stay in the pre the present, you're, you're really good. I think, you know, and look, we graduated six guys who made a huge difference you know, in our program and, and in the community, you know? So I think that, you know, now the challenge is how do you get the next group, you know, ready to go and, and integrate or assimilate the next uh, set of parts. Yeah, you segued really right into my next question with the next group of guys in this upcoming season that is starting here within the next couple of months. Uh, how do you keep the success for your returning players from going to their head? And, and how do you keep those players just as hungry, just as motivated coming into this season as they were last year? Well, I watch a lot of Bill Belichick press conferences and uh, he does not allow anything but the present. So um, I think that you know, his singular focus in, look, we haven't done anything this year. You know, we're not defending champions because we don't have the same team, you know? And, and I think that even last year, like when we're rated number one in the country for I don't know, 10 or 12 weeks, like that was all well and good, but that's someone else's opinion. And, you know, like I kept saying to my guys, I don't know what the number one team looks like in October. All I know is I want to be standing there when the, the last game is and win it, you know? And so I think that you really try and focus on the things you have control over and also really consider what is your approach with this group, how, and, and talk to each guy, you know, and I think that, you know, they have to realize they can't just plug into the roles of the guys who just graduated. And then you have newcomers who don't even know what it is and they have to learn to take on everybody's best game. So it really comes down to what are we going to do today? You know, and, you know, very much keeping it simple and, and being process orientated as opposed to, you know, ends and means. Coach, looking at coaching in general, uh, as a longtime coach, a longtime head coach, uh, how would you define not just your coaching style, but more so your leadership style, both in how you manage your your team, your players, and your staff? I think that, you know, again, I think you're a product of the different experiences and the different mentors you have, uh, but ultimately you have to be who you are. And when you think about that, you have to find your own voice and make a decision of what that really means. You know, and I think a lot of people talk about core values, but, you know, I think the, the big thing is that, you know, you want to give everybody an honest effort every day. You know, like no one cares if I had a problem with my kids. All they care about is, you know, what do we do at practice today? Were you engaged? Were you involved? Were you focused? And so for the two hours a day, like you got to just lock down and be in that moment so that you can give those players everything that they need to be successful. And we ask the same thing back from them. And I think that, you know, as far as my own development, um, as far as, you know, how, how I approach it, I think that ultimately, you know, we look at it as a partnership. We try and have a leadership group as opposed to captains. And the leadership group is a group of four to six guys who are sophomores to seniors. So that there's buy-in from all facets of the team. When you have 15 guys, you're not going to have one person who's going to be totally, um, you know, in with every kid. This way we kind of have everybody covered. And those leadership groups have really helped me grow as a coach. I mean, they'll say to me straight up, hey, we need more. We, we, we want to go faster in practice. We're going to play fast. You know, like 
then we need to go faster in practice, you know, or, you know, like last year, the guy said, look, you know, we need to hear more from you, you know, as opposed to the assistants, because I tend to give too much autonomy to my assistants because I want them to become head coaches. So, you know, I try and give my assistants ownership. I try and give my players ownership so that we all have some buy-in and a stake. I mean, everybody obviously knows you want to win when it's all said and done, but on a daily basis, you know, our focus and, and it really happened last year was, you know, on good teams, coaches create accountability, but on great teams, players create accountability. And so we talk that talk and, and walk it as much as possible. And so we'd have practices where, you know, a kid, Matt Droney, who's starting out as a coach now at Vassar, he's got the full-time assistant job there. You know, he'd say in practice, hey, that stunk. Let's do it again. You know, I mean, how many times you walk into a practice, a player has that much ownership and belief and is willing to keep everybody accountable. And I think that's what really made the difference. The, you know, they had the locker room and, and it was a partnership. So I think that the more that you can partner and the more that you can have honest conversations, then, you know, like if you're conning people, then that's what you're going to get back. You know, so I think that, you know, can we get guys to embrace the grind because there's going to be highs and lows, but you know, it's going to be a long season, October to March, and there might be 130 practices versus 33 games. You got to like practice. You got to be willing to grind and, you know, really try and make the most of each day so that we grow as a group. Coach, we'll end with this. Uh, obviously, if I ask you what your, your uh, goal for your program is this season, I'm sure you would say cut down another net. But for you, uh, aside from success on the court, for you as a coach, what are your goals for the upcoming season? You know, I, I think that it's, it kind of came from our players the last three years. And we talked about, you know, one of my players said in one of those leadership group meetings, you know, coach, my goal is to make sure these seniors have every opportunity to be successful in advance and, you know, have a, a great, you know, non-conference effort. And then the conference comes and we want to win the conference regular season and we want to win the conference tournament so it guarantees you an opportunity and you know i thought that was a really astute comment by that one player to say hey you know i'm here to sacrifice for the seniors because this is their last chance and so if you think about it that way we're all towards right now and i think that if we're here to make a difference and sacrifice then we're going to do it for those seniors who you know have had a ton of success obviously and they have high expectations but you know each year they're a new person, and I want to make sure they take on that leadership and create the accountability that allowed us to be so successful in the last three years. <laughs> Thanks again for joining us today. Congratulations on the success of your program over the last several years, and really best of luck moving forward this year as you try to defend your national title. All right. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Once again, a reminder that all of our webinars can be accessed for free at nabc.com and on the NABC's YouTube channel, and that they're now available in podcast form as well. Simply search NABC on your iTunes or podcast store. Coach, thanks again. Viewers, thanks for tuning in, and uh, we look forward to our next webinar.